All right, welcome back to the Street Rat Society podcast. This is episode three. It is What is Race Part Two. I'm Amr, um, and I will be the host again, <laughs> as usual. So we're going to try to finish the essay that we started in part one. But in part two, we're going to go kind of more inward. We're going to talk more about the internal racialization, the actual relationship that we have to race, uh, the racial hierarchy and race worship. Um, whereas part one was kind of more defining like what it is in the external world and like how it shows up. So, okay. Let's get started. So the header for this section is race is an emotional and spiritual experience. The way we interact with other people is based on our emotional relationship with race itself. The fear that race worship gives us when we are around black people is not intellectual. The safety that race worship gives us when we are in the good graces of a white person is not in our minds, it's in our bodies. That's one reason why you can't just decide to stop being racist. If you're familiar with Resma's work, Resma Menikim, you've probably come across this idea before. But yeah, this is kind of, like I said, we're going to start going inward. So it's not just an intellectual thing, like race. Um, you don't just decide to be or to not be racist. Honestly, if you talk to anyone, they're not going to say, you know, I'm racist. They're going to say, I'm not racist. Even Trump was like, I love Mexicans. I'm eating a taco bowl on Cinco de Mayo or whatever. <laughs> so um, it's not actually an intellectual thing. Uh, it's not a just like what you think about people. Like, oh, well, I think all people are good, so I'm not racist. Um, it's actually in the body how you feel, how you feel when you're with other people, but also how you feel um, about yourself. So we're going to go kind of more, more in depth uh, with that as we go along. Here we go. So we are all racist as a matter of survival. I'm going to repeat that again. <laughs> we are all racist as a matter of survival. If you don't feel the power of the racial hierarchy, it will literally kill you. It will destroy your social life, exclude you from jobs or investment, take away your housing, imprison you, or even take your life. Are you really ready to live as a heretic of the racial hierarchy? People who love to pretend that they are not racist, or worse, anti-racist, are straight up full of shit. Straight up full of shit. Fuck you, fight me. <laughs> I was definitely in the mood when I wrote that. But it's true. It's true. Um, and of course, I, I go more into it in the essay, but I just want to make space for the fact that we are all racist and we are all racist as a matter of survival. The culture... The way the racial hierarchy works and the culture that we're in requires us to be racist to survive. 
And if you're not, if you don't buy into the larger culture, if you don't fit in, if you don't try to succeed, then yeah, it will destroy your social life, exclude you from jobs, etc. Right? Um, there are people that you have to obey or they will kill you. There are laws you have to obey or you will be imprisoned. There are other authorities like bosses you have to obey or you won't have a job. Um, and that's just how it is. And the way that our society is structured, for you to even meet your basic needs, you have to buy into the racial hierarchy and racism because the way our society functions is a racist. It functions off the exploitation and murder of black people and it functions off the exploitation and murder of poor people, non-men, you know, the list goes on, the disabled, the elderly, the youth, the children, right? There's so many oppressed classes that are extracted, exploited, imprisoned, killed, um, that our society relies on to just a function, just for us to meet our basic needs. Like where, where do you live right now, right? If you have a home, where do you live? Where is that home? Right? It's on some land. Who owns that land? Right? The state owns that land. doesn't matter who you are. Right? You bought your land from the state. And if the state wants to take it back, they absolutely can. Your clothes, where were they made? Your food, where was it made? How did it get to you? All that stuff um, relies on the exploitation of, of so many oppressed classes, particularly black people. Um... And so just to have your basic needs met, you're racist. It doesn't matter if you think you're not participating in that exploitation, right? If you're like, look, I'm just, I'm a worker too, you know, whatever kind of worker you are. It doesn't matter. You got a, you have money in a bank account, right? Or you have some kind of money and you got to spend that money, right? On products, right? How do you think those products got made? <laughs> you know? Like, that's just the society that we live in. And so there's, I guess I'm kind of talking about two things that are important here. One is your emotional, spiritual relationship with race. The fact that it lives in your body. The fact that you know how to feel when you're around a boss or a cop. Or when you're around a black person or a group of black people. Right? You're conditioned to feel a certain way and you know it, you feel it. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is the way that our society just functions. Just to function in society, you have to be racist. You have to, like, you are participating in a lot of that exploitation just by continuing to survive, and especially if you're trying to succeed. So you can't, like, become anti-racist or even be anti-racist. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I, I get more into it in the essay, so I'll just continue. The sheer healing power and trauma release of reaching escape velocity from race worship is so large that it would level an entire continent and obliterate all the readings on every piece of scientific equipment in the world. Get the fuck out of here if you think you are seriously beyond the race hierarchy. The end of race worship is literally the end of Western civilization, colonialism, 
capitalism, Christianity, science, technology, and whiteness, blackness, right? The white identity and the black identity would end. To abandon the racial hierarchy is to abandon the world. Anyone who tells you they are an anti-racist or they can teach you to be an anti-racist is a fucking asshole. <laughs> um, and they're, you know, they're trying to make money or they're trying to get fame or whatever. So, yeah, this is the point I was getting to. It's the end of the world. I should bold that sentence, actually. <laughs> it's not bold, but it should be bold. Um, yeah. The end of race worship is the end of the world. Um, the end of Western civilization, the end of capitalism, the end of Christianity, the end of whiteness, the white identity and the black identity, the end of science. All this stuff is built on racism. All of our institutions are built on the race hierarchy and others, gender and class hierarchy, but they're built on the race hierarchy. And ending the race hierarchy means ending all those institutions. So it is not a personal, singular, individual thing. It's not like, oh, you know what? I condemn the KKK. I condemn the police. I condemn uh, racism when it happens, and therefore I'm not racist. Um, yeah, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you have to stop participating in racism, which means you have to stop participating in all of our institutions, and all the companies, all the nonprofits, all the government organizations, all the unions, all the products, right? All of that, all of it is built, the legal system, the education system, right? Like schools would end, hospitals would end. Um, all that shit would go away in order to end the race hierarchy, in order for race to, to go away, because they're all connected together. That's the point of it being a culture, right? That's the point of it being part of how we live. That's why I call it race worship. That's why I call race, race worship. Um, but I could just call it race because it's just part of all these things. Race is just part of all these institutions. The reason it's the end of the world is not just because the institutions have to end for race to end, but because these institutions are built on our behaviors, right? Like the fact that you obey your boss, the fact that you go to work even, <laughs> right? Um, that's based on like the controls, the control, the power structure, the power dynamic of the race hierarchy. And so that's why we're going inward because I want us to start feeling into the end of these institutions, the end of our obedience to these institutions, the end of our participating in the control of these institutions, because that's really what it means. That's why I say the healing power and trauma release of reaching escape velocity from race worship would level a continent and obliterate all the scientific equipment because all of that stuff our world is literally dependent on the fact that we continue to believe in race and act on it. So it's not just something that we're fighting out there. Like, yes, like I said in the last episode, if you have the power and capacity and ability to stop a particular, you know, some kind of oppression that's happening to you in its tracks, you should do that. It's healing for you and it's healing for the person trying to do it to you. But that's not going to end oppression as a whole by itself. Um, not without like a complete end of all of these things. And that's something that we have to emotionally 
and spiritually start experiencing, <laughs> grappling with, feeling into, um, like mourning and grieving it, right? Um, because in, in, in my experience, a lot of times, if you want to get to the joy, if you want to get to any kind of joy, joy in your life, joy in a relationship, joy in an experience, you have to feel into, you have to experience the grief, the pain, the anger first, right? Because they kind of, they get in the way of the joy. You can't really feel the joy without guilt unless you feel into all the other emotions that come with joy. And that's hard for us to do who grew up like in a super colonial um, Western way of life. It's hard for us to do that. Uh, like literally in our bodies. We're so conditioned to skip past all that other stuff. You know that meme of like the dude standing on the bottom of the stairs and then his leg goes, his leg is like really long and it goes like six or seven or ten steps up the stairs and then it touches down. <laughs> That's like what I'm talking about. We just skip all that stuff. It's like just focus on the positivity or focus on the joy. It's like actually... If you want to experience the joy, like guilt-free, like uh, like healing, holistic joy, you got to feel into the grief, the pain, the despair, the hopelessness, the anger, all of those things, like so many emotions that come up when we talk about the end of race, the end of Western civilization, the end of our identities. So I know I took a really long pause here, but I just, I wanted to bring that up. Um, and I wanted to like really help this paragraph land because I think there's, a, it's huge. It is huge. If you're feeling like this is huge, this is some like ridiculous shit. There's a lot, like you're not just about to tell me um, to that we're all racist <laughs> and just move on. You're not about to tell me like, uh, that there's no way to be anti-racist and just move on. Yeah, you're right. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take, I want, I'm taking some time to pause and to make it clear that, yeah, this is huge. And if you have, if it feels huge, then that's good. <laughs> that's good. Even if you hate it, that's good. Um, cause that means that like it's, you're getting the point. It's sinking in. All right. As humans, we have several core emotions. They are all valid, but we are told that some are good emotions and some are bad emotions because colonialism is deeply rooted in Christian domination. We learn which emotions are which and when we are supposed to feel them through several grueling, cruel, and inhumane social practices. So I'm bringing up emotions and I'm bringing up these things. These are like core concepts to how colonialism works on us. And I'm bringing them up because it's going to be part of the dive, the inward dive, because we're going to have to start questioning, bringing up these things, talking about them directly, not assuming that they're universal um, or neutral or inherent in us. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm bringing them up. And also because I think... They, they block, they get in the way of us being free, like us relaxing 
us resting, us like connecting deeply with ourselves and our past selves and other pasts, the pasts of not just humans, but the earth, right? And our futures too. So that's kind of why I'm bringing this up because it's going to be necessary to really get into it. So these practices, these inhumane social practices that teach us like which emotions are good and bad and when we are supposed to feel them, these practices dominate and mold our childhood because they know, I mean, the power structure, right? The race hierarchy. The, it knows the power of shaping the world for a child. The institutions that primarily indoctrinate us when we are young in the correct emotional reactions to the world are the nuclear family, school, and media. I say primarily because they all do. They all work together to do that. But the ones that primarily indoctrinate us are the nuclear family, school, and media. And yes, I'm coming after school. I'm coming after the nuclear family. <laughs> if that's surprising to you, it might not be surprising to a lot of people. But, um, yeah. So, molding our childhood is super important. It's really, really important, the childhood that we have. Um, and power, the power structures, the people in power, the race hierarchy itself, like remember I said, it's a spiritual force, right? It knows. Even if some of the people who are actively participating aren't doing it consciously, it knows, and they know subconsciously, the power of shaping the world for a child. Like how important that is. How a lot of what we feel and the way we behave is... Um, from our earliest experiences, from the way things are introduced for us, from the way the world is introduced to us. It has huge... It's like people say the power of a first impression, right? Um, that's part of it. <laughs> I think in this case it does have some actual uh, truth um, in that the way that, yeah, we're introduced to the world, especially because as children, it's really important for the power structure to repeatedly in multiple ways and from multiple people, right? Repeat the, th the lessons that we're supposed to learn about how we're supposed to feel our emotions, right? So you don't just hear it from one teacher, you hear it from multiple teachers. You don't just hear it from your teachers, you hear it from your teachers and your parents. You don't just hear it from your teachers and your parents, you hear it from your teachers and your parents and the TV and the cops, right? You hear it from everywhere um, that, you know, you're, you need to like we were saying in the last episode, work hard. You know, you need to obey. You need to do the right thing, etc. right? That you need to, like, do all these good deeds, that your character really matters, and all these things. So we're going to go into our bodies, and we're going to go into our pasts. That's going to be a big part of this, and we're starting that now. You are taught to feel ashamed. I should say we. We are taught to feel ashamed and embarrassed about ignorance, laziness, ugliness, etc. Remember these qualities? <laughs> the black qualities, the negative qualities, the qualities that actually a friend of mine who was listening, he kind of 
wanted to add that it's not just that these qualities uh, separate you from your humanity or make uh, black people inferior to white people or other races inferior to white people. It's that these qualities actually make them subhuman, right? It makes black people subhuman, like livestock, right? Like they can be they can be controlled in whatever means necessary because they're not fully human. They don't fully embody what it is to be human. And we start learning that as kids. We start learning that. Like, taught to feel ashamed and embarrassed about ignorance, laziness, ugliness, dishonesty, right? All those qualities. You will be ridiculed, disciplined, neglected, bullied, and hurt for acting in ways that don't serve the racial hierarchy. You will get bad grades. You will have trouble with your parents, teachers, police, etc. The spiritual forces of race worship will find ways to literally instill the fear of God into you for behavior that they don't like. So we don't talk about it like this, right? We don't say you're going to be hurt or attacked for acting in ways that don't serve the racial hierarchy. We say, basically, you're doing something that's like hurting yourself or hurting yourself and your family or is like going to lead to bad behavior down the line right and so we're going to teach you how to be a better person we're going to teach you how to be responsible we're going to teach you how to be kind and generous and how to share and like you know how to be productive and all these things that's kind of how we talk about it but it's not true that's not what we're doing that's not what we're doing we know that when we disobey the racial hierarchy we get hurt we get attacked that's what we know. We don't think about it that way, but we know it in our bodies, in our spirit. So when we share with kids how to act in the world, that's what we're sharing. We're teaching them, here's how you can act so that you don't poke the bear, so that you don't um, it, like go up against the racial hierarchy. You don't immediately conflict with it. We're going to teach you kind of how to act and navigate it. But that doesn't feel great. You don't want to tell a kid, like, I'm powerless. There's this huge social order that will kill me if I don't, like, obey it. Like, it doesn't care about me. and It'll kill me. And all I can really teach you is just, like, what I've done to cope and try to survive. And it still feels like shit, but it's the best I got. You don't want to tell a kid that. You don't want to believe that about yourself. We don't want to believe that about ourselves. So we don't, that's not how we teach kids. <laughs> we tell kids, hey, um, like, this is good and right. Like, look at everything I've learned. Look at, like, you know, what you can learn. Sometimes parents even self-deprecate. Like, look, I'm not perfect. I'm, like, I'm making a lot of mistakes. But you, you're going to be the hope. <laughs> You're going to be the hope to succeed, right? So it depends, right? Different people have different flavors of how they talk to their kids or talk to kids or how they feel about themselves. That's usually what we tell them. Like, we want you to succeed. We're going to teach you how to succeed. Learn from me about how I succeeded. Um, and, yeah, and, like, that's kind of, that's how we talk about it. But that's not actually what we're doing. Um, 
And when I say that the spiritual forces of race worship will find ways to literally instill the fear of God into you, I mean it literally. Race is a spiritual force, right? It is like one of our gods in this current um, society, in this current culture, in this current world order, right? And so when I say, like, we're going to teach you teachers and parents and authority figures when we teach kids how to act right we are literally instilling the fear of god into them right because it is bigger it's bigger than any one person it's not just like obey your teachers or obey the cops or get good grades or whatever because you don't know which teacher or which cop you're going to get or even someone who is not an authority figure it could just be a random person off the street right and if you're a person of color they can punish you no matter what you do, if they want to, or if they're not feeling good that day, or if yeah, they just don't like you, you know, like the lady at the park, uh, I forget her name, who was going to call the cops on the black guy, the bird watcher, right in New York, or the lady who called the cops on the black people trying to grill in Oakland, <laughs> just trying to grill outside, <laughs> you know, um, or whatever. There's so many ways it can happen. Uh, and even if you replace like a white leader, right? Like if you replace Trump with Obama or whatever, you're still going to get killed by the cops <laughs> if you don't obey them. You still got people in prison, right? It's way bigger than just a human being. It's not just a human being that they have to learn how to act around. It is this spiritual force. It is this God of race that they have to learn how to act around. And there, another reason I call it a God is that we internalize it, right? It's there even when there's no one around us. Mm -hmm. So I'll continue with this paragraph because it gets into it. You will internalize it. We internalize it because the trauma of these punishments are too much to bear as a child. If you didn't start out this way, like obedient, right? If you started out like curious and you like, you don't care about rules and blah, 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 which all children should be like that. <laughs> You will eventually trust the adults around you. And no matter how much you disobey, you will ultimately break. And if you don't break as a child, they will find a way to break you as an adult. You will assume that there are good reasons for these feelings because the alternative is that everyone is fucking insane and you are not worthy of love. That's a tall order for anyone to accept, let alone a child. So... I call it a God because it's there even when no one else is around. And this is how it gets. I said earlier, I think, either in the last episode or the first episode, this stuff is traumatically installed in us. It is installed in our bodies through trauma. This is why. This is why. And this is how. Although I get more into like the how, but this is why. Right? Because you keep hearing it from all these different sources all the time and you just start question. You have to start questioning yourself, right? Like I said, if you don't, most of us start questioning ourselves way earlier. Um, then we get to like adulthood, but if you don't, then you will be broken as an adult. You will either be thrown away or imprisoned or killed. And you will eventually, eventually break. Most of us break way before that point, but not all of us, but most of us do. 
And that's kind of why. Because you can't, a child, a child who gets scolded by a teacher or gets a bad grade or something or gets in trouble, and then they go to their parents and their parents repeat the same thing. And they're not taught, we don't teach kids like, you have uh, a connection with the whole world. <laughs> you have a connection with your past, the past of all humanity, the past of all creatures, not just humans, right? Plants, animals, etc. Are you connected to everything? And you're connected to the future, right? You can find validation if you take your time to develop a relationship with your body and all the wisdom that it holds and all the past lives that like are part of who you are, are part of your body. We don't teach them that. So they go to the, however many authority figures or like different places, authority figures, TV, whatever, even friends, they don't have their back. So what are you going to do? What's a child going to do? They're going to think, Oh, I must be wrong. I must be wrong. There's no way that all these people are trying to hurt me, right? They're trying to help me. And so I need to learn how to help myself. I need to get in right relationship with these people. Right? That's shame, right? That's what shame does. The whole point of shame <laughs> is to do that. Um, it's to like, it, it has this function of, a, of how a group should interact with itself and with the outside world. And it's supposed to be helpful, right? Like if you do something like that's dangerous to yourself and the group, right? A little bit of shame isn't the end of the world, right? It's kind of like a natural reaction. If somebody thinks something you're doing is dangerous, they're going to try to shame you. Um, but the thing is the way it's used now, right? The way that it is kind of like literally constantly like, shouted at us right whether it's through school or whether it's through work or whether it's through advertising <laughs> right it's constantly being used to remind us that we're inadequate um, and to like constantly pressure us right you know constantly pressure us into worshiping the racial hierarchy into, into acting and behaving in ways that doesn't threaten the power structure and then the kids does not have the capacity, especially not with a lot of support and love and teaching, does not have the capacity to resist that, to, to, to face that shame and be like, this isn't my shame. And what I'm doing is not actually dangerous. It's healing, right? It's going to cause pain. Yes. The racial hierarchy inflicts violence. Yes, it does. And it's going to cause pain. And people are reacting as if what I'm doing is dangerous because it is, it is dangerous. But it's also healing, right? There's no way a kid's going to be able to, to like take all that on and, and and resist it and and metabolize it into something that's healing. I mean, kids can because they can do a lot, and they do do a lot. Um, and it's just tragic that we push them as f like we find their breaking point. We seek it out. We look for how much capacity they have, and we intentionally try to um, overfill it so that they so that they break down but for most of us at least for me it didn't take that much <laughs> it didn't take that much like hardly anything i started off pretty young believing 
and acting and quote unquote acting right and behaving properly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm taking this slow because, yeah, we're going in and we're going in to some pretty sensitive stuff. So forgive me if this feels like excruciatingly slow compared to the other episodes. All right, so the next paragraph. If you're like me, you will feel like you are doing the right thing by succeeding in this environment. It won't even cross your mind that this shit is completely insane. You will feel good about yourself for reflecting these behaviors. This is a goddamn tragedy and one of the earliest spiritual deaths you will experience. The numbing of your body and mind has begun. Yeah, I remember when I was writing this, it made me extremely sad to go to this place. And I wrote, damn, that should hit me like a ton of bricks. This is a good time to stop and take a break. The amount of overwhelming grief and rage that can come up here, that can come up here, is sacred. Close your eyes, lay down, pray, take as long as you need. Hours, days, months, years, decades, doesn't matter. Whatever it takes to feel into this grief, to love our inner child, and to hold it with all the love we can muster in our crushed hearts. I'll wait. Again, this is huge. If you don't feel any grief and rage, then it's a good time to dig deeper, <laughs> to dig deeper into your childhood. What point were you broken? Because children, children are very close to spirit. Children and the elderly, they're very close to spirit. They come into the world with this. They want to be born into the world and they come into the world with this curiosity. I know I did, even though it was very short-lived. Excited about life, excited about the earth, um, kind of going with the flow, what our needs are, what our curiosity is. And in order to turn us into productive students and productive workers, that has to be destroyed and replaced with these beliefs and this shame and this fear of the racial hierarchy in the class hierarchy, gender, etc. So your kind of spiritual oneness with the earth, it has to be replaced with your individual identity so that you see yourself, you see the earth as hostile to you, right? Because then if you're hostile to the earth, it's just self-defense, right? <laughs> you're just trying to get by because it's dog eat dog and all that crap. So it's there. We're all broken at one point in order to get in line. And it's hard. It's hard for us to love ourselves for just who we are. Like who we are completely naked, spiritually, uh, mentally, physically naked. And that's kind of bringing ourselves back to that kind of going through a resurrection of the spiritual deaths that we went through as children. 
and that's huge unpacking that is a it's a tough tough place to touch for a lot of people to go to that place spiritually emotionally there's a lot of huge emotions there not just grief and rage that's just kind of my shorthand there's a ton of emotions in that so it's worth it to take your time and to feel into it like when you were denied things as a kid or when you were told you were inadequate or when you decided for yourself like um, I'm going to be a good kid I'm going to get good grades I'm not like those other kids you're killing a part of yourself when you do that you're driving yourself away from your own humanity so touching the part of you that got neglected or got pushed down or suppressed or demonized and holding it with love and compassion and holding yourself with love and compassion for doing those things because it's the only way you knew how to, to cope or to survive. So yeah, if you want to pause and come back, this is a good time. This distortion of the inner self is the most powerful effect that race worship has on us. Where it doesn't manipulate us with privileges, it forces subservience through violence and trauma. It doesn't just want us to follow, it wants us to believe. There are no lengths that are too great to achieve this. There are no depths that are too deep to break you. It has no limits to its violence and no moral compass or boundaries. I want to highlight where it doesn't manipulate us with privileges, it forces subservience through violence and trauma. I think this is something that gets lost in a lot of the discussion about racism or the racial hierarchy, is that it isn't just that it inflicts violence on people at the bottom or people who are not at the top or even people at the top sometimes who disobey it's not just that it inflicts violence on the on those people it has rewards it has privileges for obeying and for following and that's also part of the distortion of the inner self like if you are succeeding you know, in whatever way, you have a good job or you started a successful business or you're getting good grades or whatever. And you're constantly getting these privileges, right? Whether it's financial and whatnot, um, or even if you're just succeeding because you're white or you're male or whatever and you're able-bodied. In the small, and, and there's lots of different ways to succeed and fail in the racial hierarchy and they can all happen at the same time. You can be succeeding in some ways, failing in the other. It's not a binary. But the point is, 
that the privileges that you get, this kind of goes back to the very beginning of the last episode of you will be proud of qualities that you are assumed to have but can't actually embody, right? The privileges that you get that you feel like you've earned, that's also part of the distortion of the inner self. And it has people buying in to the racial hierarchy, right? In fact, usually that's the first hint. First, it greets you with the open palm. Like, hey, just obey. Get good grades, work a good job, or start a successful business, whatever, you know? Just obey, and you'll be fine. You'll get to live somewhere that's quote-unquote safe, You'll have access to better food. I shouldn't even say better. It's like more expensive food. <laughs> You'll have access to more expensive clothes. You'll have access to more of everything, more technology. It'll be easier for you to do things. You'll get access to buying a house, etc. Right? Um, people constantly talk about like, like it's only one way. Like there's people who have benefits, right? And those benefits are just neutral. And if you have benefits or privileges, then you should share them. And then there's people who are by, who are um, like negatively impacted by race and racism. You know, black people, brown people, etc. People of color. And that what we need to do is stem the violence, stem the harm, stem the negative impacts of race. That's only half true. Um, and therefore, it's not really helpful. <laughs> it's not really true at all. Because the privileges and the rewards are also part of race worship. So even if you found a way, well, actually, they have, they're already, there's already ways that people of color get rewarded um, in the race hierarchy. And it doesn't help us get free. It doesn't help us get any closer to the end of the world, to the end of Western civilization, to the end of the race hierarchy. Um, even though there always is going to be an underclass there's always going to be people that are that have to be um forced to submit through violence and trauma because they just won't they just know i'm not going to buy into this crap um and so that the rest of us feel justified in the decisions that we've made like man thank god i you know i worked hard so i didn't end up poor i didn't end up in prison um so there's it's always going to be needed in some way. There's going to have to be some kind of di uh, dichotomy. But the rewards are just as damaging. And um, Angel Kyoto Williams does a really good job with this in Radical Dharma, talking about how it's not just the police are policing black people, but white people are being policed too. We're all being policed. <laughs> Right, the reward of actually being able to walk around without being harassed by the police, right, is also part of being policed, not just the violence that the police do on people who are lower down in the hierarchy, but you, the people who are higher up on the hierarchy, they also know that they have to continue to obey, they have to act a certain way, right? So. I just think that's a really important point to bring up is that I don't just want to eliminate the police and the military and whatever because they harm people. 
I also want to eliminate the rewards. I want to eliminate the privileges, the quote-unquote benefits of the racial hierarchy. I don't think everybody should have the right to vote, for example. I don't think voting should exist because I don't think the government should exist. I don't think we need a ruling class. So I don't care if they treat us all equally. You know, I don't care if people have certain rights, right to vote or if everyone can own a house or have a car or a phone or whatever. Um, a lot of the rewards and privileges that the racial hierarchy gives us are at the expense of either the death and suffering of other people or the death and suffering of the earth or both. Usually it's, uh, or like pretty much always it's both. So even if somehow we were able to give these privileges to everyone, then it would be at the expense of the earth and the other animals and plants who are just as much of who we are as people are, right? So yeah, the boundary between like humans and animals, which is the same boundary between white people and black people, it shouldn't exist. It's not actually real. It's real because we believe in it. But it keeps us, it distances us from being fully present with ourselves and with the earth and being in right relationship with ourselves and with the earth. So I'm putting that out there also. And the rewards do a really good job of training our bodies. <laughs> I hate to say it this way, but we are domesticated. We are domesticated and being managed right? That's the point of the racial hierarchy. The point of the power dynamic is to keep the power dynamic working. And to keep it working, we have to be controlled, right? It's not just about profits, it's about control. And the rewards do a really good job of that, like just as good of a job as the violence. And so they need to be gotten rid of just as much as the violence needs to be gotten rid of. So that generally you know, puts me at odds with <laughs> a lot of people who think we have shared goals. Kind of like in the first essay, the shared, the, the assumption that there's a shared destiny. And this is kind of, I'm kind of like connecting that dot here. There is no shared destiny usually because I want the end of all these things. The end of the racial hierarchy means the end of its privileges and rewards also and its rights and all that, all that shit. And then I say there are no lengths that are too great to achieve this, because there isn't. Uh, one of the things that really threw me for a loop was thinking that there's limits, that people will, there's some baseline that people will kind of hit where they won't continue to take advantage of you or harm you but that's not real, it's not true. Um, there is no limits that people in power have to keeping their power. It doesn't, like even if you, I was openly showing and telling and expressing to people that I was in pain. Um, people that I thought were my friends that I was either you know, working with at work or working with in the activism spaces or the organizing spaces or whatever, even family members and as long as they can help and feel like the heroes or the saviors, that's 
totally something they'll do. But if they're participating in the pain because they're lying or because they're taking advantage of you or because they want you to push yourself past your limits or go past your boundaries and you tell them like, hey, you know, for the health, for my health and for the health of the relationship, you know, that's got to stop. Then all bets are off. It doesn't matter. Actually, it doesn't matter how much pain you show yourself to be in or try to express. It doesn't matter how vulnerable you are, how much vulnerability you show. If anything, it's actually um, a green light for a lot of people. Like, okay, it's working, right? It's working. The hierarchy is working. I'm, I'm in the spot I'm supposed to be in. I'm in the superior position, and they're in the weaker position. Um, and it has no limits. It has no limits. Like, um, the violence has no no limits, right? Like, that's why you can raise awareness all you want. We can raise awareness all we want as to how horrible the conditions are for black and poor people um, in the U.S., in the rest of the world. It just doesn't matter. It's not about raising awareness because it's going to be justified in the end. I mean, think about it. Think about how many times there's been like a national shock or outrage over some kind of violence, like violence against black people, violence against children. Um, and it just doesn't, it doesn't have like a permanent impact <laughs> on the power dynamic because again, it's justified, right? The fear of letting go of the privileges and rewards, the fear of letting go of the hierarchy um, is so much higher than the disgust or repulsion to the pain or destruction that it causes um, to other people, to the world, to ourselves, right? And trust me when I say that there's just no backboard. <laughs> okay, so moving on to the next paragraph. Even if you don't think you are, humans are emotional and spiritual as much as we are physical, just as much as we are physical. The racial hierarchy operates on this level. Through the indoctrination I mentioned above, it teaches us that we are not valid unless we perform the white identity and that we are only valuable when we serve our parents, teachers, bosses, husbands, etc. We become attached to the rewards and privileges that it hands out when we act right, and we become scared and ashamed of the punishments and violence. We feel bad when we fail a test, lose a job, and get rejected by a partner or a friend. Right? That's the connected, connect, it's a good connection to the point I was making at the end of the last paragraph. Um, our body knows how it feels about the race hierarchy. And we don't want to feel uh, like we're doing the wrong thing. And so we don't want to give it up, no matter how violent or harmful it is. The way that you feel about how beautiful, kind, smart, hardworking, and etc. you are is a direct reflection of your experience of the racial hierarchy. I'm going to pause there for a second and say, how you feel about those things about yourself. Like if you feel like you're beautiful or you're kind or you're smart or hardworking, you're probably a white person or you're a white person who's successful or you're a person of color who's successful right now in this world. <laughs> 
So you feel that way about yourself. I know I certainly did when I was like getting a graze and, and like working hard and like working my way up to a good job. I felt that way about myself. And when I wasn't like when I was failing out of college and when I was working in fast food and when I was getting evicted and shit like that, I didn't feel that way about myself. Felt like I wasn't, you know, smart. I wasn't hardworking. I was making all these mistakes, right? Even that language is coded, but I was making all these mistakes, right? Um, and that's what I mean by it is a direct reflection of your experience of the racial hierarchy. Um, you are experiencing the racial hierarchy in the way that you feel about yourself because it's defining uh, the qualities that we have and what they mean and why they're, and, and deeper, right? It's defining why those qualities are important and how you achieve them and things like that. And so how much you think you've achieved of those qualities is a, your experience, is how you're experiencing the racial hierarchy. How you treat yourself is a reflection of the racial hierarchy. How you are treated by all of its institutions is also a reflection of your experience. How you are treated by your partner, friends, family, co-workers, bosses, etc. All of it is a reflection of the race hierarchy and its power dynamics. This is fundamentally emotional and spiritual. What race means to you is a combination of all these experiences, uh, your present internalized relationship with race, and eventually your future experiences as well. It is not a one-time thing or a one-word answer. Your race is not just, I'm blank, <laughs> I'm brown, I'm black, I'm white. That is not your experience of race. That is not our experience of race. It is ongoing all the time, every second of every day, because it's how we make meaning of the world. It's how we make meaning of our experiences in the world, and it's how we make meaning of ourselves and who we are. So you're experiencing race all the time. And that might be obvious for a lot of people, uh, and I hope it is, actually. I hope it is. Um, but I also want to just, like, take a moment and really make it clear how much of our experience, right? Because we do talk about sometimes, like, well, um, you know, I breeze through this uh, apartment application because I'm light-skinned, or I'm dealing with all these microaggressions at work. It's not just those specific experiences. It's not just it comes up when there's, like, a specific positive or negative experience. It's coming up all the time. And it's not just how you're treated by other people. It's how you think about yourself. It's your own internal dialogue is a reflection of your experience of race because it is installed. It is in us. It is inside us. <laughs> it is our understanding of the world and ourselves. So like, and like I said, it interferes with our relationship with ourselves, with our own body, with our own past and our future. And so it's showing up all the time, everywhere, and everything. And I know that's also controversial um, by the, you know, deniers <laughs> of racism or uh, the damage of racism, but it's just a fact. <laughs> so we judge ourselves based on the values we've internalized from the racial hierarchy. 
We compare ourselves to the beauty, kindness, work ethic, etc. of the white identity. We don't think of it this way. We think that we are striving to live by basic values, you know, righteous values, values that are universal for all people, but they are not universal. Donating to charity but requiring the police and military to keep you safe is not the type of kindness I give a shit about. Going to work at the expense of your own body is not a value that makes any sense. Suppressing your emotions to protect yourselves or your loved ones doesn't work and shouldn't be rewarded. It's not healthy to constantly have to prove that you are worthy or that you are a good person. I think that paragraph speaks for itself. <laughs> Straight up. When we feel like we are not enough, we are experiencing the power of the racial hierarchy. When we feel like we earned a reward in life, we are experiencing the power of the racial hierarchy. The earth doesn't judge us. It doesn't mete out punishments or dispense rewards. It contains everything you need, regardless of who you are. The earth, our world, it contains everything we need, regardless of who we are. It actually doesn't even care that we're human, right? Because it doesn't separate itself from us or from the plants or from the animals or anything, right? We're here. We're all um, part of the earth, right? Like the earth provides for us. Other creatures provide for us and we provide for them, right? We're always in relationship with them. Um, and it doesn't care. It doesn't care what race we are. It doesn't care if we're good people or bad people, right? The qualities they don't mean anything <laughs> to our relationship with ourselves and the other creatures on the earth, right? Like this is all stuff that we have imposed. Uh, well, I should say specifically that has been imposed on us by colonialism um, and by white supremacy culture and capitalism, um, etc., and the other power hierarchies. Because we did have a different relationship with the earth before colonialism. The struggle for freedom is exactly this struggle. To trust that your body and the earth loves you and will forgive you when you abandon your racial identity, even though the retaliation from the racial hierarchy will mean suffering, imprisonment, or death. And then the next major section, the header is, race needs you, you don't need race. So this is a good transition point. I could read it, but I think that'll take a, another like hour and that'll make this episode really, really long. So I'll just split this up into three parts. So for this episode, I'll I'll end with just a couple of final things because we're at the end of this section. Um, but yeah, this, that's the struggle that we don't need the racial hierarchy. And there's a lot of healing in abandoning the racial hierarchy, even though there's a lot of suffering in abandoning the racial hierarchy. And I think that's what makes the struggle for freedom such a difficult struggle. If it was, if there wasn't um, suffering, if there wasn't retaliation from the racial hierarchy, it wouldn't be a struggle. 
if our goal was just to like get organized or vote or whatever, um, what's the struggle there? You know what I mean? It's pretty easy to register to vote if you're eligible, and even though a lot of people aren't. Um, and to go to the polls if you can. Uh, and there you go. I mean, the voting process itself is just like checking boxes on a piece of paper. So, like, where's the struggle? Where's the struggle in that, right? Usually that struggle is defined as, same with, like, organizing unions. It's defined as, like, getting everyone to do one the same thing which is just ridiculous, <laughs> right? It doesn't actually make any sense. What kind of life is that, right? How is that the struggle to get everyone to do the same thing? Um, and then you have to work, right? You have to work hard to do that, to convince everyone. Like that's not, that's not a struggle. Like that's self-imposed struggle. The struggle for freedom is, are you going to obey or disobey, right? Because if you obey, you're still not safe. Right. If you're like, all right, I'll internalize being whatever race I'm assigned. Right. I'll internalize being whatever gender or whatever, you know, and I'll be a good worker and I'll work hard. Um, I'll internalize the class hierarchy, too. You're still not safe. Life is still hard and you still have to eat shit all the time, even if you do that. Um, and you end up hating yourself and hating everyone around you and being tired all the time um, and just like struggling to have friends and family that actually love each other and don't just hurt each other constantly. And that's like, if you obey, that's like the easy route. <laughs> it's still miserable. Um, then you just kind of like distract yourself from how miserable is all miserable. It is all the time. And then the other side of the struggle, which is also difficult, like they're both difficult. The other side of the struggle is abandoning all that. Like, actually, I'm not going to obey. I don't care about the identities that I'm supposed to embody. I don't care about the laws. I'm not going to internalize that shit because it's harmful for me. Because it separates me from myself and the rest of the earth. Uh, and uh, then you just get discarded, right? I want to be really clear about that. The power hierarchy, it's okay with that. If you're just like, look, I'm not going to obey. It has multiple different strategies for dealing with that right like it'll try to break you at first right it'll take away your money right you won't be able to get a job right if you don't you know follow their like colonial time structure the class hierarchy is time structure if you don't file follow that right clock in clock out when you're supposed to get your ass um, in the seat or get your ass to the shop or whatever it is right it'll take away your money it'll take away your income that's number one. Uh, it'll start taking away whatever other privileges, right? And then eventually, you know, it'll either unhouse you, it'll throw you in prison, uh, and it'll just try to break you. And then if you still won't um, submit, then it'll just it'll just kill you or it'll just leave you on the streets. Like, it'll just completely discard you. Um as like if you try to keep to yourself uh you still get harassed you know even if you're just out on the streets unhoused you'll still get harassed by the police because it's still criminal to do that um but honestly it just doesn't care it knows it's had we are not nobody not me not anybody hearing this or reading this 
is like walking into a new, this is not new shit. Um, all, tons of our ancestors have abandoned the racial hierarchy, you know, in all kinds of different ways and in intentional and not intentional ways. It's not something that you need, uh, like a, a concrete philosophy or politics to do, uh, or to understand or to implement. I mean, there's, there's lots of stories of even early on during the slave trade of slaves either jumping from ships or walking into the ocean um, and returning to spirit and being like, we're not going to participate in this. Uh, it's not. We, we'd rather return to spirit and return um, to the earth and to where we came from, then participate in bondage, then live our lives in bondage. And the power hierarchies, unless people start doing that on mass, <laughs> unless there's some kind of mass refusal, the power hier hierarchy doesn't care. It's it's okay with that. It's like, oh, you're you're mad now. You're not you're not feeling it anymore. You want to quit your job and just go rogue, sure, whatever. Um. I mean, if you start attacking it, then you'll go through those stages of reward to punishment really fast. <laughs> like um, some of our uh, elders and ancestors in the struggle. Um, arming themselves and trying to fight the state directly. Um, like uh, George Jackson's brother. I think his name is Jonathan Jackson. Jonathan Jackson. Uh, you'll You'll go from one... You'll get to the end of the line pretty quick. Uh, I wanted to add that disobeying doesn't have to be a conscious thing. Lots of people, they just can't function with all of the requirements of the colonial system, of the class hierarchy, race hierarchy. Um, you know, they can't keep a schedule or they just can't emotionally get themselves to go through the motions uh, and, you know, uh, participate. Uh, and then a lot of people are just straight up locked out, you know, and have to turn to other forms of ways of getting money that uh, are, are illegal. And so it doesn't even have to be conscious disobedience. The system has so many ways of discarding people um, anyway, like it's actually kind of irrelevant to the race hierarchy, whether you're taking a principal stand against it or whether you're just not participating for whatever reason. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's important to mention here, but it, it knows, it knows that people aren't actually, uh, like naturally going to like obey that's why it needs all of this other shit. That's why it needs this whole fucking structure. The rewards, the punishments, the shaming, um, the, the schooling, the economy, the working, uh, the advertisements, the, <laughs> the media, the news. Um, it needs all of this shit. Uh, it even adds like, you, yeah, you can have nonprofits, you can have unions, whatever. Whatever it takes to stay bought in, right? It's all part of it. It's all part of it because it knows. It knows that it's it's forcing us. 
And like I said earlier in like the last episode, it knows that it gener- that generates resentment. It generates anger. It generates pain and grief. Uh, to be in control, to be to have power over somebody else. So it knows that there are people who won't always obey. Just as long as uh, enough, just as long as there's enough, that's what it cares about. Honestly, I would bet that even if there is some kind of change, like like major change, like actual end to Western civilization, there will be people living it out till the end of their days, even if the rest of the earth has moved on. Right. I mean, like a great, a good example is like Nazis, right? Like, yeah, technically they were defeated in World War II, but the ideology lives on. And there's a lot of people who are still proud to be Nazis. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's true for the race hierarchy as well is, uh, like it will do everything in its power to continue. And it does all these things to, because it knows, it knows that people don't want to, wouldn't naturally just obey, wouldn't naturally just fall in line and be, allow themselves to be controlled. So that's why it does all these things, to have us convinced that we're doing the right thing. Anyway, so yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be it for this one. It's still pretty surface level, like we're just, just touching the surface, um, we're still not going super deep, um, haven't gone super deep. Some of my own life experiences, I'm sure if you sit with this, you'll find in your own life experiences that you can really dig into and apply this to. Um, and I hope definitely to do that at some point in the future of this podcast. Um, we'll see how it plays out. But still, I think this is useful this is it it helps it helps me to articulate how i feel um and put together everything that i've learned and i think there's a lot in here that we don't get taught and we don't share with each other and so i'm i'm really it means a lot to me to share it it means i hope it's helpful um even if you know there's a lot that i'm sure I don't know or that I make mistakes on or that I miss or don't get completely right. And that's okay. I wanted to share this. A lot of this is written for my past, for my childhood self. I want them to know uh, that there's another way. And uh, I want to share that with whoever is listening. And so, yeah, I I hope you enjoyed it (laughs) um, in some way, shape or form. And I hope you can find a way in your own language, in your own body's language, to hold um, the struggle for yourself, to hold all the pain and, and grief and joy for yourself, and to share it, and to like really bask in, all, in everything that we've had to experience. So yeah, I'll see you on the next one, which will be the final <laughs> part of the what is race series and then i'll go back to um reading other other pieces from other authors okay uh so yeah take it easy